to another episode of the 10 Frame Podcast for Emerging Artists. My name is Kelly Thompson, and you can find me at kellythompsonart.com or on Instagram at kellyktompsonart. I'm Kevin Kirkwood, and you can find me at kevinwillpaint.com or my Instagram handle is kevinwillpaint. Kevin and I will be having a two-person show opening on Friday, May the 26th that runs through Sunday, May the 28th at the Southern Motors Building at 402 Broughton Street in downtown Savannah, next to Blix Art Supplies. The opening reception will be Friday, May the 26th from 6 to 9 p.m. We hope to see you all there. The 10 Frame Now has a patrons page on our website where anyone can contribute to the podcast to help us cover associated costs so we can continue to share our conversations from the artistic community with you. The website is the10frame.podbean.com. Thank you in advance. Hello, everyone. Thanks for listening to today's podcast. Uh, today, we're talking with Carla Contreras, a SCAD alumni, multimedia artist based out of Atlanta. And thank you for joining us today, Carla. Yeah, thank you, Carla. Of course. Thank you so much for having me. Um, it's a pleasure. So where can people find you? Uh, my Instagram handle is carla.contreras.art. Um, you can find the link to my website over there as well. And yeah, that basically I, I, I use Instagram a lot to, to keep people updated about my, my practice, what I'm doing, upcoming shows and everything. Cool. So can you maybe describe what you make and why you make it? Of course. So I make uh, mainly abstract, biomorphic mixed media artwork uh, on canvas and paper, and large-scale public work like murals and sculptures. Um, and I make art because I believe in its transcendental role in shaping society and providing different perspectives and angles of understanding things and challenging that linear approach to living and existence within the that that system that where where we grew up in and uh, from a more personal space i guess i make art because visual expression has been my language and means to connect with my surroundings and with others and that's how i connected with my father uh, as a kid also uh, my dad was a very silent and introvert uh, type of person uh, he's an architect that always wanted to be an artist, and I grew up watching him make uh, images of landscapes, flowers, trees, and compositions with architectural structures. And he would use pigments that came from these very small tubes that he used to handle with a lot of care. And I remember feeling uh, very intrigued by all this, and I just wanted to join him. So at a certain point, he saw that interest in me, and he started teaching me. And ever since I've been hooked up with art making, um, and now when I think about it, and when I was thinking about these questions, I guess that my inclination towards visual expression was really triggered by an unconscious longing for connecting with my father, since uh, we didn't have that uh, strong verbal communication. Where, where's your, where? Tell us a little bit about your background. Where did you grow up? You're based in Atlanta now, but where did you grow up? So I am originally from Quito, Ecuador, and Sweet. I grew up in Quito, the capital, uh, which is a city surrounded by a lot of volcanoes. Uh -huh. um, and is well, Ecuador is a small country in South America, but it's actually uh, one of the 12 uh, mega diverse countries in the world. And I grew up surrounded so, uh, by a, a lot of natural uh, sites, and mountains and that's something that's actually something that i missed a lot when i moved to georgia right can you describe some of those landscapes that you either spent time with your dad or that are i think they they find their way into your work obviously your work is or maybe describe some of the things that you're creating and then uh, maybe the landscapes that they're responding of course. to so um yeah, in my, like in my hometown, for example, since you're surrounded by volcanoes and mountains, I live in a valley, uh, which is pretty high, and uh, Quito is actually at um, nine, is it nine, 9,000? Yeah, 9,500 feet of altitude, 
and that's it's also almost two miles. Vivid, very different, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> to to what we have here, and when I came here to Georgia, like that flat uh, horizon, empty horizon, was something that uh, made me a little sad and depressed. So I guess I was longing for for like l- looking at the horizon and and seeking for those mountains out there. And um, I found Stone Mountain uh, in Georgia, mm-hmm. and I started going there, and that was like the closest um, sort of elevation that I had access to here in Atlanta. So I started going every day, and this was during the pandemic in 2020. Right. So it was a really, it was really a way to for me to co- connect again with nature and to sort of cope or navigate uh, this whole process of the pandemic, which uh, brought a lot of anxiety also because of the fact of not being able to be with my family and being away from them. And also it became a way to connect with Atlanta, with with this space that was my new home. So I started like, going out there to the to the rock and, and and looking for different organisms and paying attention to lichens growing on outcrops and i started getting very interested in in ecology and understanding how these mechani- these organisms work within uh that ecosystem that transition from what sounds like is a very um non-urban um, natural landscape to atlanta which is mm-hmm. You know, kind of the opposite of that. Was that a hard transition to make because you weren't in that connection with nature? Yes, but what I actually like uh, about Atlanta is that is a is a metropolis that has a lot of nature and that has access to a lot of uh, natural sites. Um, so, actually, during the pandemic as well, I decided to move to the north uh, where the Chattahoochee area is, the river. Mm-hmm. And ever since I was, wow, like m- my my work really uh, transformed and, and changed and took a, a turn because um, when I moved to Atlanta, I was living in Midtown and the center of the city that was close to SCAD, the school and everything. And of course, it was uh, uh, an urban type of ecosystem. And my work was about something else. It was very different from wh- what I'm producing right now. And my work has always been about uh, interacting or interpreting and filtering the, my external world or my surroundings. And what I was seeing then in Midtown was gentrification and construction and side effects of gentrification like homelessness. So what was determining my work and my visual vocabulary, what was I was seeing within that urban ecosystem, like construction cranes, um, uh, utility uh, service markings, like those orange markings that they use to mark locations on sidewalks for under cabling for communications and TV cable and things like that. So I was like using those. I think I've always been interested also in looking for patterns and um, in, uh, in languages, uh, like signs and things that uh, belong to that visual environment that where we where we that we interact with every day. So that visual language that I was seeing within that urban uh, ecosystem was I was using it in order to to interpret it in my own artwork. And when I moved to Roswell to the Chattahoochee, of course, my visual language changed drastically from something man-made to something more organic. You're talking about like the civil engineer symbols that you might find, or right? Is that what you're saying? Like the people that would do topographical maps, they, they spray paint they the symbols on the ground? So, exactly. So there are spray painted symbols and most of them are orange. Yes. And I was like so curious to know what those mean because, and also coming from a different country, from a different background, that, that was something that I wouldn't see. In, in my in my hometown, so I was really curious about the meaning of of these things because it occupies 
uh, a vi visual space, right? And we interact with these things all the time. So I was like, okay, what is the meaning of this language? Mm -hmm. And I, I learned that the orange uh, is a color code specific to communication. So they have a different color codes, like orange, yellow, uh, white for, for different things. But the orange Purple. was for cabling, right. for internet, for AT&T and all that. So then I started connecting this language uh, with gentrification. So I sort of uh, used it as a way to talk about gentrification in my work. I've been a big fan of your work um, since I've been following you for the last oh, couple you. of years. <laughs> and color seems to be a very important um, aspect of your practice. Uh, mm -hmm. A lot of very saturated colors, rich. Yeah. Um, contrasting colors is that do, do you pull the the colors from your urban environment as well i can I, I mean i'm just i'm not thinking of a specific painting right now but the orange mm -hmm. just kind of you know resonates as far as mm -hmm. my remembrance of some of your pieces i know that mm -hmm. that may be um something that you use not regularly but it does appear so can you talk a little bit about your color language and where you pull from what your inspirations are from Yes, of course. And uh, I really approach or I like to approach color in a very intentional way. I think that it can be a little dangerous when you use color just for the sake of it. And um, I've always tried to pull colors or my color scheme is always related or connected and tied to, to the concept or to the ideas that I'm exploring. So in the case of when I was exploring the urban ecosystems and when, when I was working on the body of work for my thesis show that was entitled Public Inhabitants of the Booming Metropolis, uh, the color palette came from the urban environment and I used it in a very, um, in, a ver in, in a way that had a clear connotation. So that orange came from the orange markings and as I said, I started connecting those orange markings with the idea of gentrification and how gentrification is taking over. So that orange was prominent. It was like spreading all over my pieces somehow. And then I also used a type of blue that comes from the IKEA bags. And the reason is because I, when I was a student at SCAD, I didn't have a car and I used to, um, to use public transportation a lot. So walking from the train station to the school, I used to pass by uh, this homeless lady that used to sit on this uh, bus stop bench with a shed every day, every day. So one day I, I noticed that the city removed the bench so that she has to, she, she was forced to leave, basically. And this lady used to have a pile of IKEA bags with, with her belongings. And I think this, um, this situation really had an impact on me and later on in my production. Uh, so that blue became part of my, uh, my color scheme uh, in order to make that connection also uh, of like the consequences and, or the side effects of gentrification or a city that has those contrasts of uh, beautification, but at the same time, uh, the, the displacement of some people that cannot belong to that progress. Do you know if she, was there ever like shelter for her? ever or did you kind of lose no. touch with her no i mean then she 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 went to look for another bench right and 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 yeah i mean you're pretty much on your own as a homeless and homelessness is growing very fast here in atlanta and it's pushing people out i guess out of the yes. city can you mm -hmm. speak to like you leaped into you know more natural object like you're painting natural objects now so you sh you trans transitioned into that can you talk a bit about mm -hmm. talk about the work that you're making now of course 
So, yes, during the pandemic, I moved to Roswell and I was like, okay, now what, I, what I'm going to paint? <laughs> like, I was disconnected from that urban environment that was my source of inspiration, but that really took a toll on my mental health somehow because I was tackling these uh, social issues that uh, were very, um, like hard to to process and when i moved to roswell and got in touch with nature again i sort of felt back home again somehow and since i'm not a very sociable person it's not like i have a close group of friends here in atlanta like my closest people is my husband and a couple of friends and my family and your that puppy are not he- that are not here and my puppy what's your dog's yeah. name Tatara. I always see your stuff on Instagram and I don't know when you're walking together it's nice so the move to Roswell did that coincide and I I wanted to talk about this a little bit if you're comfortable with it Um, Mm -hmm. your residency that you're in now with the Norfolk Southern company um, is that did that um, prompt a move or did that have anything to do with it and not really, because uh, when I, am, I moved to Roswell uh, before I got the residency, and the residency is actually Midtown. And where I live in Roswell is 30 minutes uh, north. Oh, so you have to commute back in for your residency. Exactly. And then you get yeah, to escape like, and go back home to, to nature. I don't, I don't exactly. <laughs> I, don't, <laughs> I don't get to escape completely from from the concrete jungle yeah <laughs> but but it's interesting because uh like for example we, with my husband he's a he's a tech guy he works with 3d printing 3d design and and all that stuff i'm not very into technology because i'm more into organic biomorphic type of things of course and uh cables and screens and all this kind of bother me <laughs> a little uh but it has been an interesting process also to to collaborate with him in some projects uh, because I have been able to think about my practice or think about the possibilities of fabricating some of, some of my, my pieces using uh, technology. So in the case of the things that I'm doing, for example, I like to collect right now that I live by the river and the forest and, and all that determines or influences my my work and my vocabulary and everything so what i do is i collect a lot of i've always liked to collect things even when i was uh working in a in a in a urban environment i always was like collecting a construction things uh, that i would find in the city and doors and and any any kind of thing (laughs) Uh, because that informs my practice and it's, it's, I, I really like the process and because that, 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 that builds your concept and also builds your vocabulary. But here in Roswell I collect driftwood and mushrooms and lichens and things like that. So these, one day I found uh, these earwood mushrooms on, on a fallen tree and the mushrooms were like were so fleshy and beautiful and i realized that these only happens under certain uh conditions right because the right humidity the right weather conditions so i decided to get a sample of that and then we tried to scan that mushroom and it was like the size of my hand it was very big so we were able to scan it and then we 3D printed in resin. And right now we're working on a larger version of that scanned mushroom uh, to create a small sculpture that has that will have also a light source because uh, of the, the translucency quality of the mushroom when, when it was alive. And we also work with uh, CNC, so we're creating like a, a stand uh, of a designed CNC um, wood piece. Are you making? So, are you making the yes. piece out of uh, resin or something that's translucent or semi-translucent? Yes, it's resin. So we 3D printed in resin. I see. And you can 
make it as translucent as you want. Uh-huh. It can be matte or translucent, but since the, the, the actual quality of the mushroom was kind of translucent and I could see the light coming through it when, when I was observing or contemplating them in nature, I wanted to, to mimic that. It was kind of um, yellow color, right? Yeah, Yellows exactly. and golds. Uh-huh. Nice. Yeah, and, and then it was really nice because the next day I went to look for more mushrooms and they were all shrinked and dried out. Oh, you so captured like, it just okay, right at the right moment. Day, exactly. And it's really cool that technology can provide me the possibility to sort of uh, capture that that moment somehow. That seems to be very cohesive with the rest of your work. One of the things I wanted to ask you, too, was I noticed there's a lot of, um, along with saturated color, a lot of gradations use that um, gradation in your work, uh, which is something that I relate to. I, I do the same in, in, some, in my work as well. Um, mm-hmm. Speaking of that kind of transitional um, color gradation, um, you seem to use that formally a lot. And I could see how, mm-hmm. you know, if you're building something with resin, you know, that's translucent, that that would kind of mm-hmm. give you some of that effect as well on a 3D object. Yeah. Were you thinking about that as you were as you're working on these pieces? Yeah, um, and I am actually going to paint on top of the resin piece oh, Okay. with air, airbrush. I work with airbrush a lot and I really love that uh, transitional quality that you can get with airbrush. And I guess the reason why I use it comes from observing sunsets a lot. Um, I love sunsets and during summertime I go with my dog on the stand-up paddling and kayak up the river and I spend a lot of time in the water and then just watching the sunsets fall on the river and everything so I guess uh, those that idea of the the gradients and the transition comes from observing that the transition of, of, of the colors and the sky and I guess, in a way, I love transitions. I love to to observe and contemplate transitions uh, within the seasons as well, because we don't have seasons in Ecuador. Ecuador has a, is like a spring-like uh, type of weather all year long, and I never had a chance to to feel the transition of something like in in terms of the weather or or the time. So. I think that's something that impacted me as well being here. Can I ask a couple of questions about that object? What, what's it called, first of all? The, is it a lichen? The what, al- what object? The, um, that you 3D printed. Oh, the one that we're working right now is yeah. a near wood mushroom. Yeah, it's not a lichen, it's a mushroom. It's a mushroom. So you're going to paint over on top of it, right? All of it? Kind of like with the work that you did in Lacoste or no? No, not all of it. No, the one that I did for Lacoste uh, was very saturated. And yeah, no, it it was not about translucency or anything. Um, This is more earth tones, I'm assuming? Yes, it's going to be more earth tones. And I I want to keep the translucency of the the resin. That's why I don't want to cover it completely with airbrush. I see. What kind of lights? I just want to... Sorry, go ahead. No, yeah, go ahead. What kind of lights are you putting inside of it, and how large is the piece? Well, it's not very large. Like we're not talking about a large, like public sculpture. Uh, this is like the first test that um, that we decided to create for a solo upcoming solo show, and it's, it's a small piece. And the reason why is because of the limitations of the of the three D printing machines that we have because uh, the printing machine is not very big so we're actually we actually have to print um, uh, print the pieces separately and then put it together and well the size of the CNC machine is also not very big so it's a it's a matter of limitations <coughs> uh, fabrication limitations but I would love that is something that I would love to experiment in the future to 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 translate or to create a large uh, sculpture from an organism that is very small. Like that's something that really fascinates me. Like being able to scan 
something from nature that is small and translate that into a big uh, sculptural public piece uh, is something that really interests me, yeah. It's very timely, too, that you're talking about mushrooms. They're very much in the um, social vernacular right now because yeah. mushrooms are being studied for all kinds of um, inherent properties um, that have mm -hmm. health benefits Mm -hmm. and benefits yeah, for the mm -hmm. uh, environment and that kind of thing so mm -hmm. very uh, they are fascinating yeah yeah very topical um if you don't mind I'd, I'd like to back up a little bit and just and talk a little bit about your residency um you know we're trying to um disseminate information for emerging artists a lot of them who will be seeking a residency or something post um you know post uh MFA program or wherever they are in their in their in their practice right now. What was that process like for you? Is this a first residency? Can you just talk a little bit about your uh, your journey from school to the residency? How how did you come about it? Um, and and what is it? And and what are you doing in that residency? Okay, sure. So um, I actually found out about these. It was an open call. And an artist friend uh, reached out to me and he was like, hey, Carla, there's this open call uh, with Norfolk Southern Corporation. I think you should apply. And I was like, oh, wow, thank you so much for sending these uh, my way. And I checked it out and I applied and everything and I got it. And is uh, I am the first artist in residence that they have because uh, they had uh, their headquarters in Virginia before and then they moved to Atlanta. And they, this is a corporation that has a big art collection of American artists. And they decided to give a space in their headquarters uh, for a local artist to produce and to support local artists. And they want their employees to, to connect with the local art community and culture and all that, which I think is a, a initiative that I applaud and that is is really nice that a lot of corporations are actually doing that. I, I think that Google has an artist in residence program as well. Um, Microsoft has a big art collection and they collect art from local artists too. I have a piece actually in their collection. So I nice. think that's really Congrats. awesome. And thank you. <laughs> and I think, uh, well, the way, like the, how I've gotten those opportunities has always been through connections. I think it's really important when when you're an artist and when you're an, uh, an emerging artist and where you when you're a, stu a student in school and everything that you that you connect connect with the community with the art community that you go out there and and, and show up uh, for uh, shows openings and things like that. Uh, internships is also a big thing. When I was a student, I had to I had to do uh, a field internship, and I did it with a local uh, gallery uh, called Mint, nonprofit gallery. And being an intern there, really, uh, I was able to make those connections, and then they would invite me for shows and everything. So I started showing with them a lot. So I think it's really important that within your your school environment, within the the your town and, and art environment, you make those connections because that's going that's going to lead to to opportunities, to jobs, to everything. So another thing that really worked for me is that when I was a student at SCAD, I I worked at Student Success. For example, and I was able to connect with the academic advisors, the career advisors, and all that. And that's actually how I got my first teaching job in Atlanta. Because people will uh, remember you, and then they will recommend you. Right. So uh, that was really important. Another thing that I think was uh, crucial for me is to... To, to, yeah, it, the first thing is to engage. Engage a lot with the art community as much as you can and put your name and your work out there. Apply to open calls. Uh, be on the lookout for opportunities. I think that's something that I didn't have back home in, in Latin America, uh, those open call opportunities. 
And uh, that's why when I came here and I was like, oh, there's an open call for this show and that show and the residencies and all these kind of things. I was like, wow, this is awesome. And the first open call that I applied to was um, uh, for an, an exhibition at MOCA GA, the Museum of Contemporary Art of Georgia. And that was in 2017 when I was a student and I didn't have like a strong body of work or anything. I was exploring ideas. I was a student. I was getting started on on my on my explorations and everything. But I applied and I got it. And uh, I what was did part you, of, of what did you present? Curated show. It was an installation. Oh, can you describe yeah, that was, part? Yes, of course. Um, I was uh, so I did my MFA in painting at uh-huh. Scott. But was what was really cool about it is that my professors encouraged me to to do like to do anything else than paint <laughs> they were like you should explore because i came from like a traditional uh painting background and uh, like okay you have your sketches you have your idea and then you just translate that into a painting and the first day with my professor with my the studio visit with my professor i was like okay here's my here's my sketches this is what i want to paint and he was like, but why would you just like translate something that you already did on paper to a canvas surface? Like, what is the point? Why don't you explore your idea instead of just illustrating your idea? And I was like, I didn't even understand what he meant by that. I was like, so lost. But then I was like, okay, I'm going to try to explore the, my idea. And my idea was about a interaction like uh, uh, with people and the system and how the system shapes us and our lifestyle and society and all that so i started growing kidney beans because i remembered that when i was a kid um they taught us to to grow kidney beans and Uh talking with my sister she reminded me of of these kids that would live uh, nearby our house uh, that were very poor and my sister asked him uh, like what's your what are, what are your treasures what's the things that you love the most and he came with a little cup of of a plant of a kidney bean plant growing and he was like this is the thing that I love the most this is my treasure and she told me that story and I was like I'm gonna start growing kidney beans and then I started making those connections with with, with my ideas and I was um like exploring this idea of of how can I geez, it's a long time that that <laughs> we haven't talked about this I love but how naive kids like, are yeah. how naive they are and how special like the exactly. simplest thing can be but it's exactly. also such a powerful thing because it's food you know, like they're did that prompt exactly. you to, to be interested in, in gardening or you know growing vegetables in, in another way I mean now that yes, you've moved exactly. out to, to Roswell, you probably have a little uh-huh. bit more room than you did in, in um, city center to, to yeah, grow vegetables. Now, now that you mentioned this, it has to, I, I've always been close, like my, my parents are landscape designers. And when I was a kid, that's something that we used to do a lot with them. Uh, we used to go to these places where they sell um, uh, plants uh, to get different plants for our garden. And would, we would spend all the weekend planting different kinds of plants and things like that. And my, my dad loves gardening. And I think that has always been present in, in my life. And here, I, I, I've always liked to have plants around me because that's how I grew up. That's the kind of environment where I grew up. Uh, but I've always lived in like small apartments in Atlanta. And I've never had the chance to have like big plants or anything so you'd like have that. succulents or what like smaller plants that's right? what i used to have succulents yeah. but then i hated them because they always die <laughs> yeah or air plants that maybe. sounds like me yeah. the only thing uh, i was like i get a cactus because you know a little one that i can't kill uh-huh. i kill that too it's like yeah. it doesn't need water all it needs to put it out in the sunlight it'll be fine nope <laughs> no <laughs> yeah but then here in roswell well we have more space but uh we don't we don't have like big windows with a, a good a natural light source, but my husband designed a um, hydroponic system okay. for the house. 
which was really cool because we were able to, and, and we are growing right now different vegetables. We were growing uh, cherry tomatoes. Uh, we're growing lettuce and peppers. Is it just you put it on the porch or in the living room or how do you? No, it's in the it's in the living room. Nice. Yeah, next to the TV. <laughs> wow, how large is it? Uh, like generally, like it's, two it's meters. Not very, yeah, I guess. Yeah. Like when you ask me about, I, I'm, I'm always like between the meters and yeah, <laughs> the inches. It's like in uh, uh, our we have our next door neighbor lives in a four story. Um, house and they have a rooftop uh, deck mm -hmm. and we were over there this weekend and he it's amazing how much you can grow now there's all kinds of systems they have these bags it almost looks like a grocery bag but it's made for planting in and you put the the and it's got drainage at the bottom and he's growing mm -hmm. lettuce and peppers and you know tomatoes and all kinds of stuff on the on the roof and if the weather gets, you know, if it looks like it's going to get cold, it's it's in this bag-like thing. So he just picks it up by the handles and takes it inside. It just seems like that there are also ways in it, urban environments to to kind exactly. of grow those kind of things too. Exactly, and it's a it, and it's about agency too, right? Is is not being always. Um, Jeez, attached to that system and and having to go to 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 the stores and markets to get what you need to eat, right? If you can grow it uh, yourself at home, I think that that's awesome. And it's about agency and being able to do things on your own and have more organic products. And feeling like you're so in control. Exercise and stuff, exactly. You know, you're control. controlling what you're putting into your body. If uh, mm -hmm. if you if you're I think you, you feel like that um, at least you know what's on it and in it. Exactly. Even within a limited um, space or even when you don't have a light source, like, because we have uh, a UV lights, a UV light system, and then the plants are have nutrients and, is ju and they just need water and that water gets recycled. So the whole system is very interesting and my husband designed it himself and he 3D printed the different parts to assemble the system. So that has been very interesting. Does he yeah. sell those? Does he sell the no. work that he makes or is it? No, that's the thing with him. He just makes things because he, he, he likes it. And yeah, yeah. <laughs> he's not very good at marketing. Or You've inspired me to get another cactus. I think I'm going to try <laughs> to grow something now. <laughs> I think I can do it. So I... <laughs> Let's shift gears for a second, and I wanted to maybe, you know, hear you speak about what you listen to when you're making work, or what your studio look like. Talk about that mm -hmm. setting. Um, well, I have my um, the my the studio of my dreams right now, as I said, because it's, it's the largest space with a beautiful natural light source, and the setup that I have. Uh, I have knob space to have a space designated to create another one to display my work uh, for studio visits. I have like a seating area. I can have a bookshelf with my favorite graphic novels and books and art magazines. Sorry so I, to interrupt, I really but love it. is it yeah. open to the public? I mean, if people are listening and they want to see what you're working on, if they're in Atlanta, yeah. can they come in and see it? Well, it's under. They can uh, send me a message, and and we can set up a time. Um, it's not like the the area where I am is not very how can I say walkable because it's in front of a main street, mm -hmm. and then you have to park and everything. So that's kind of uh, a little bit of a hustle. So the best way is to like set up a time, and I'm not there all the time, of right. course. So, but if you send me a text message and say, hey, I would love to stop by your studio and see what you're doing, uh, we can set up a time and, and that's how I go about it. Great, yeah, I think if anybody's in Atlanta, and now I know you have a lot of Instagram fans out there, so, I mean, I'm actually <laughs> also thinking about myself. If I ever get to Atlanta while you're still there, I might look you up. Yes, that'd be awesome, I'd love to have you guys. <laughs> what music are you listening to when you make? <laughs> 
make work or is it quiet or so, what's going on there nah i mean it depends but mostly latin music uh from like contemporary urban music like reggaeton and salsa and and all these cumbia? very hype cumbia exactly so i <laughs> ask everybody if they know who boba stereo is and do you like boba stereo boba stereo or soda stereo? boba they're a colombian band no. Oh, no, I don't no. know him. I thought Kevin, you were going to be... Kevin's generating a fan group just by mentioning them on, on this podcast, so y- you'll have to check them out. Now. It's one of my favorite bands, and anybody that listens to this podcast is probably like, yeah, we know, Kevin. We get it. I'm going to check it out. Is it Bomba? Bomba. Stereo Bomb. I don't oh, speak... Bomb. My Spanish is bad, but okay. Bomba is Stereo. Okay. So, okay, I'm going to check it out. <laughs> or Lita Pimiento. I mentioned it yesterday, so people are going to be <laughs> mad at me. But she's also Colombian, too. Cool. But I, but I really like to listen to these um, music artists that merge electronic music with folk music from the Andes and Rainforest. It's really awesome. Right on. Nicola Cruz is yeah. one of them. Um, and I love that, that, that. Like, that really set up the tone and the mood for what I'm creating. Because it's an electronic with these like natural sounds from the forest and things like that. I'm gonna send you links and you're gonna be like, yes, where, okay. <laughs> I never found this. Do you go back home? Gonna, Do you go back and visit? When you need uh, your fix the, of the uh, rainforest or, you know, to see the mountains? Yeah, so I, I went back uh, in December last year but when I, when I moved in 2016, I wasn't able to go back until four years later because of my paperwork and you know, all this complication. Um, but then I went back for a second time in 2020 and I was able to come back like right on time, like it was right before the pandemic hit. And then I went back in December, and now that you mentioned that, yes, I went to the rain, uh, to the cloud forest, and I was able to document a lot, do a lot of videos, and take a lot of photos of these wild plants that grow in the cloud forest, and that's actually gonna be part of, is part of my new body of work that I'm, that I'm working on for my solo show, upcoming solo show in July. July, where's it gonna be at? The Free Market Gallery in midtown cool. do you have any mm-hmm. specifics like dates i don't have a yeah we haven't set up a date yet uh but we're going to announce that in the upcoming month right please do and let us know and we'll uh we'll give you a shout out so people can can okay, uh, awesome. remind some people about it so of course thank you mm-hmm. can you talk about some of your influences your creative influences like who what artists you look towards Sure. So, well, I have a lot, and all, and that also varies and and shifts um, according to my interests and and with time and whatever I'm exploring. But one of the ones that I've been uh, studying or reading about a lot uh, currently has been Giorgio Keith, for example, like uh, in terms of, of of her use of biomorphic shapes and exploration of natural environments and ecosystems. Uh, but there's this other uh, contemporary artist called Monira Al-Kadir. And she uh, she was actually creating these, a series of work of these huge sculptures of marine um, organisms. And and I'm really interested in learning more about these artists that that connect or merge art with other disciplines like science or biology, architecture, engineering. I think that is wonderful to see how art is merging and creating content and creating knowledge uh, with with other disciplines. Are you? So, what's your go-to substrate? My current, your go what's your go-to substrate like do you work on canvas primarily paper digitally do you like to work digitally yeah i work digitally like for sketching mainly and then yes mainly canvas and paper 
but uh, as I said, I, I have worked with installation and objects a lot uh, before as well, and that's something I want to go back to um, in public work as so well. You'll take, do you normally sketch initially on, on a computer and then like procreate or in Photoshop and then move that to a painting if you were painting a painting? Or does it Sometimes. stay digital? Well, sometimes that is how I go about it. Sometimes it's not. Sometimes uh, I, I do my sketches on my sketchbook or uh, little markings to study uh, uh, the, the, the form or the shape of things and, and get to a point where I have a visual vocabulary developed and then I use that on my painting. Uh, usually I, I use um, a digital environment when I'm working on public works, murals mainly. Uh, sometimes I'll, I, I have also done some completed finished pieces digitally that turn out into prints. So like the SCAD serve, the SCAD serve uh, basketball courts that you mm -hmm. painted, that started digitally and then you went out exactly. with a team of people to paint those. Were yeah. those in Atlanta or is it? Yeah. Yes, it was in Atlanta, uh, the Mosley Park in uh, West Side, Atlanta, downtown. Those were beautiful, or that, that image was beautiful. It was awesome to see it grow. Thank you. Yeah, I remember you yeah, posting some, some images and of the process mm -hmm. too. That really looked mm -hmm. like a lot of fun. Well, a good way to involve the community and exactly. get your work out there. Um, I wanted to ask you too, you mentioned um, Giorgio O'Keefe and I, you also said something about kind of the transcendental nature of some of what you're working on now. Do you ever look at um, Agnes Pelton? Yes. Yeah, so I, mm -hmm. I see some similarities there. That's why I asked mm -hmm. um, with, the, with the saturated color and the gradations. Mm -hmm. She's one of my mm -hmm. um, influences as well. Mm -hmm. And that's the real type of, yeah, and, that, and I'm interested in abstraction too. So uh, when when it comes to approaching or when I say I'm inspired by nature and all that is I don't make a, a a literal representation of what I see but is is a a way of of processing and filtering what I see and translating that into something else. Yeah, you have a very unique style. I mean when I see work I mean if I'm scrolling through Instagram and I don't even see who the post is from and I see the image I can tell. And it's very distinct. Thank you. Appreciate that. <laughs> so I, I guess we could wrap things up with, with a question. Um, and maybe that's just asking you if you had any words of advice for emerging artists or some guidance for us. Sure. Um, I would say that something that, that was important for me was to never say no to opportunities and to really take risks. And even though when you're, when you're a student, it's like you feel that, or when you're a student or an emerging artist, sometimes you may feel that you're not quite ready for something, that you're not quite ready for an opportunity, for applying for something, for an open call. Uh, but just, just, just trust your work and your process and what you're doing because you never know. Like the, that open call with Mocha, I thought I wouldn't get that because that was like for professional, well-established artists, but I got in and I got a chance to show along with all these amazing artists. Or the first time actually that, that I got an opportunity to create a mural, I applied and I sent a proposal, but I have never done a, it was when I've never done a, a mural before. And then it was like this, very big mural, 21 by 20 feet tall, something like that. And I had to be trained to use the scissor lift and everything. And I was like, I have no idea how I'm going to approach this or accomplish this. But you did I it. Th three weeks. And then you just figure it out along the way. Mm -hmm. I mean, if, if that's your passion, that's what you, what, you, what you love, you will figure it out along the way. So just trust your God, trust yourself, trust your work and your processes. That's a good. That's good advice too, because learning the process is almost like being in the studio and learning about how to produce something that you have in your mind. You don't know how to make mm -hmm. it, and you may not mm -hmm. even understand what tools it's going to take yeah. to make it. But you just figure mm -hmm. it out, which yeah, is kind of so like sometimes you don't. Sorry, go ahead. No, no, I was just say it's it's kind of like 
what you were talking about doing the mural and Mm -hmm. you know you're not sure about using that equipment but you can find out you know Mm -hmm. somebody can teach you or you know explain it to you um youtube (laughs) youtube yeah youtube is it's an amazing tool um yeah so what's up for you after norfolk southern after your residency where do you see and what's next for you uh well i will have to go back home i guess (laughs) and your dog needs you make sure yeah you have to go back home and put him on the paddleboard (laughs) and share the space with my tech husband again which can be very messy (laughs) but i want to apply for another residency that i've always wanted to apply which is hambitch and they have a location exactly north georgia how do you say that what what is it again hambitch hambitch yeah yeah, look it's that an up. arts or organization that is is amazing, and they do our, uh, an auction every day also, and they have this wonderful programming for artists, and they have a location for artists in residency at the north of Georgia, where you go and spend like three weeks uh, secluded in nature, producing. So, yeah, that's all something that I've always wanted to do. They're, they're like little cottages, right? And then there's mm-hmm. a communal one mm-hmm. public space that you come and gather and eat food. Exactly. And and I think that's something I've never done also. I've never been in a space where other creatives are producing. I mean, besides from when, when I was in school, right. in my MFA program. So I think I, I can really be nurtured by that connection with other creatives and artists in the same space. I think I'm, I really want to explore that experience that good luck with it when it when is that that you're shooting for uh you can apply for different um times of the year um i think it has to be for summer because i'm a teacher i see so that also yeah where do you teach i'm I'm teaching in a uh, high school in midtown um but i'm also adjunct professor at scott okay what do you teach uh, foundations, art foundations. Awesome. Drawing, mm-hmm. painting, all of the above. Yeah, elements and principles of art and design, basically. That at SCAD in that in 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 my school, in my high school in in downtown, I teach fine arts. I teach yearbook. Uh, anything art related. <laughs> That's great. I even taught Spanish, so. <laughs> you can help me. I need all the help with that. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Muy bien. Tenemos que practicar, Kevin. Sí, yo sé. You can, yeah, when you can give her musical inspiration, and she can give you, you know, tips Espanol. on how Espanol. to, Espanol. yeah, how to roll your R's better. <laughs> That's gonna take a very. Yeah, so you can say, so you can say Contreras. Contreras. <laughs> Keep hope alive. That's right. <laughs> Well, Carla, thank you very much for taking some time out of your out of your day to talk to us. It's been very informative, and um, I actually am really um, going to try to make a plan, and I'll try to get in touch with you. To I'd like to come up and see your work in person. Um, how long will you I'd be? Like to have you. That would be great. How long will you be at Norfolk Southern? Uh, until December this year. Until December. Okay, so we got a little bit yeah. of time to plan. Mm-hmm. Yeah, of course. Awesome. It was nice to talk to you, Carla. Thank you very much. Have a good one. Thank you guys Great. so much. Thank yeah. you very much. I, I really, I really appreciate this platform. I, I admire what you guys do. It's yeah. a great contribution. We'll, we'll definitely catch society. back up with you again, um, and maybe even um, when your show's coming up, we'll, we'll uh, touch yes, base, reach out to us, sure. and, and maybe we can do a little, a little something before your show. That's great. All right. That's great. Awesome. awesome. Thank, Thank you. you guys so All right. Much. Take care. <laughs> bye bye. Have a great one. Bye-bye. You too. Thank you for listening to today's episode. If you would like to have anybody interviewed or if you have any questions or comments, please hit us up on Instagram at the10frame.